Hi, I'm Lowell. And I'm Aiden. And I'm David. And this is I Read the News Today. Aiden? Did that come through? No. Oh, nope. you guys You guys didn't hear a, a, a short clip of Mickey Mouse saying, oh boy? Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, we can't license that. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what you know about the mouse, but we can't <laughs> license that. No, we're gonna, we're gonna get burned. But we are not journalists. Or Disney lawyers. <laughs> but we do read the news. And we are here to talk about the shit that's going on. It is February 29th, Leap Day, 2020. This is the first year in 150 years that Leap Day has synced up with the U.S. presidential election and the Summer Olympics. It's a big year. That doesn't seem at all right. No, it's it's every it's it's every it's every leap year. Yeah. Do you think that's on purpose? No. (laughs) Just to give us to give America an extra day of like preparation. It's in the Constitution. Yeah, it has to be on the leap day. The founding fathers <laughs> foresaw the Olympics, an event that would not be first done in the modern age for a hundred years after they died. But uh, anyway, we'll start with some some old news today. Uh, so, Aiden, you, I, I believe you have a Wikipedia article for us. I do, um, and it's keeping with the large the larger theme of the the episode that we're going to be covering. Really? Yes. How would you like me to serve this up? Should I should I read it? Re- should I open up the article and then read read the title, or should I, I just uh, hover yeah, over? Yeah, open up the article, read the title. It's fairly self-explanatory. Okay, okay. Dancing Plague of fifteen eighteen. It is. Oh yes, 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 yes. It is pretty pretty self-explanatory. I believe that this is there was a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, Alice, now modern day France. Uh, Alsace in the. What? Alsace? It's Alsace. Alsace. Like Alsace Lorraine? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those places that Hitler really wanted for reasons that only he knows. Does someone want to pick up and tell me a little bit more about this thing? Uh, I think it's I think it's probably good to divert slightly onto the Wikipedia page for Dancing Mania before we dive into this particular, perhaps most famous case. Dancing Mania has a Wikipedia page? Yeah. It does. Oh, look at that. It's long, too. Yeah, it's longer than the one specific <laughs> instance of. Ooh, I love I love the other names, especially Choreomania. That's that's pretty, pretty good. Well, Dancing Mania, according to Wikipedia, is a social phenomenon that occurs primarily in mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. Okay. So you're not saying this is going to break out now. Mania affected men, women, and children who danced until they collapsed from exhaustion. Sounds fun. One of the first major outbreaks was in Aachen, also in the Holy Roman Empire, also now in France, in 1374, and quickly spread through Europe. One particularly notable outbreak occurred in Strasbourg, which is the one that you have linked us to. Yes. So this sounds like a fun illness. But a little... It does, it does, yeah, consistently lead to mortality. <laughs> does it? <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole point. That's the whole thing. They literally dance until they ex- overexhaust themselves and die. And die? Jeez, I, I this it's it only said uh, collapse from exhaustion. I didn't see anything yet that said said die. Well, definitely. We'll 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 get to the deaths. If you scroll down to characteristics. It says generally occurring in times of hardship, up to tens of thousands of people would appear wow. to dance for hours, days, weeks, 
or even months. Wow. This really makes Bonnaroo look uh, tame. Oh, yeah. Oh. Nice swipe at Bonnaroo. Yeah, you got, you got a lot of beef with the Bonnaroo guys. <laughs> really putting them in their place. <laughs> it was the first one. It was the first music concert that the music first concert? music festival that came to mind. It, it's a music concert? Yeah. Music concert, yes. I said music concert. I am aware I said music concert. We can move on with our lives. Do they play the devil's music at Bonnaroo? <laughs> they do. Mm. And that's what causes... Uh, Dancing Mania, uh, the devil's music. Well, no, we actually don't know what causes Dancing oh. Mania. Now, uh, wait a minute. I do need to point this out. So there's a there's a researcher by the name of Robert Bartholomew who kind of went digging into this stuff and discovered a few other, shall we say, symptoms of Dancing Mania besides just dancing wildly for hours and hours on end. Yes. One of the other symptoms would be uh, wearing strange and colorful attire and oh. holding props such as wooden sticks, Very making good. obscene gestures. Being unable to perceive the color red. Well. And not being able to stand pointed shoes. Additionally, notes that some of the the afflicted paraded around naked and even had sexual intercourse. Others acted like animals and jumped, hopped, and leaped about. This does get a little bit darker. You're right. Yeah. Some danced until they broke their ribs and subsequently died. Throughout, dancers screamed, laughed, or cried, and some sang. Some sang is, is a little less dark. Some sang, and if we go to the reactions part, uh, music was often played while the participants danced, as this was believed to be an effective remedy. And during some outbreaks, musicians were employed to play. <laughs> music encouraged others to join in, however, and effectively made things worse. <laughs> <laughs> as did the dancing places that were sometimes set oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that makes sense, though. Like... You start playing music and people are going to stop dancing? That's insane. Well, it depends. It depends on the music. We have to. We have now. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. We have to stop this rave. Let's set up a warehouse <laughs> so that we keep them contained. Turn the lights down, but have bright flashing lights. Yes. Just to confuse and addle them. And play a large pulsing beat to slowly try to slow them down. <laughs> The sense of the theory seems to uh, be similar to if you have a song stuck in your head, then playing that song to get it out of your head. And I've never found that works for me either. I've never heard that as an effective remedy for that. Really? No. no I, I, I hear people say, oh, I got to listen to the song so that I can get it out of my head. And I'm like, this is going to get get more of the lyrics in your head. You're just going to have it more more precise. Do do either of you have this phenomenon where you you'll sometimes get songs stuck in your head but you'll replace the lyrics with things that are either obscene or absurd? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Uh, I don't know about obscene. <laughs> No, I'd say well, I pretty consistently get a version of Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me stuck in my head, but I replace the lyrics with Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hitler's Dad. <laughs> Jesus! I think that speaks much more to your particular pathology, Aiden, than to anything common in the human Don't psyche. Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hitler's Dad. What? How do you get there? And I've never listened to, I, I mean, I can't find a recording of Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hitler's Dad to help get that out of my head. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, we'll record one for you. 
now, real quick, I do uh, just to kind of get us back on track. I've found some interesting information still on this page. Number one, that the reason we'll be talking about Strasbourg is because it's one of the most well documented and most numerous cases of dancing plague. Yeah. But there is a recorded instance of dancing plague in fifteen in fifteen fifty one in a town called Anwalt, which is in modern day Germany, involving just one man. <laughs> that's good. And I'm I just think that's how small can a plague be? Aiden, is there anything else you wanted to go over with uh, uh, with the dancing plague well, here? It ha- so let's go back to dancing plague of fifteen eighteen um, and go to the theories section. So there's been a theory that it was called caused by food poisoning by the toxic and psychoactive chemical products of ergot fungi. Which, as I re- no, go on. You're probably going to say what I was about to say. Oh, I see. It's actually mentioned here in the. Uh, it's actually it's actually referenced here on the page that it's uh, that the the Salem witch trials of off have been associated mm-hmm. with the same uh, uh, form of rot, which is traditional uh, found a lot on uh, wheat. Uh, it's usually been baked into the bread. I heard that also as a possible cause for the hysteria around the French Revolution as well. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. Which would which would track because oh, I hadn't heard that. Depending on who you ask and during what world war, Alsace was part of France. Yep. Fewer witches in, 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 in that revolution, unfortunately. Yeah, it is sad. I love a good witch war. The, the theory that I kind of find compelling is the dancing plagues were basically caused by mass stress associated with living in the Middle Ages. That just sort of makes sense to me. Interesting. The sufferers were, are primarily adolescent females, this said. Much like the sufferers of witchcraft. Well, I think they're talking specifically about this instance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for this instance, which... which Because uh, I will refer you to that 1551 case in which it was one man. Now, someone did ask... I, I, either you, you, Lowell, or David um, asked if this is a modern phenomenon at all. And yeah. if you look at the sea also... Okay. I'll, I'll do my best here. Um, Tanganyika laughter epidemic, which occurred in 1962. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> well, once again... Yeah. Which, I, isn't that what the Joker was trying to do? The Tanganyika laughter <laughs> epidemic of 1962 is an outbreak of mass hysteria rumored to have occurred in, in or near a village on the western coast of Lake Victoria, the modern nation of Tanzania near the border with Uganda, started with three girls and spread throughout the school, affecting 95 of 159 pupils and lasted for 16 days. Wow. Yeah, no, that is what the Joker was trying to do. This is, I mean, this might be evidence that the Joker is real. Uh, once again, they think here, after having conducted some studies, that this was most likely stress-induced. Oh, and it's the same, it's the same sociologist, who uh, Robert ba- Bartholomew, who is also referenced on the uh, page for Dancing Plague. Which would make sense. I mean, this is, a, this is another outbreak of mass hysteria. I mean, I remember the first time I saw the episode of Looney Tunes, where Donald Duck is pretending to be, or is... Robin Hood. And there's a moment in which he swings to the trees shouting yoinks and away and swings on a vine and hits a tree and then in his damaged state shouts yoinks and away and flies down and hits another tree. This continues for about I think a full minute and a half and I laughed until I I could not breathe. It was very scary. 
but also very funny. That sounds hilarious. I, I, I'd love to see that one again. So I can conceive, uh, 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 I can conceive laughing until you hurt yourself. Um, but yeah, no, I, this is, this is a, a weird way to start this episode, but it's very fitting. Yes. That's, Thank you for finding this one, Abe. That's what I thought. Yeah, no, this fits, fits what we're going to be talking about very well. And with that, I think that we can move on to our new news. David, would you like to, uh, to take us there? Yeah, absolutely. So in case perhaps you haven't guessed by now, we're going to be talking what people have been kind of can't stop talking about over the last two two weeks, which is the outbreak of coronavirus. Started in Wuhan back in December and has sort of been spreading and spreading and turning into an international, not quite a crisis yet, but certainly I found very helpful to kind of get into know what the hell this thing is and just get a little background on it. Because I certainly... Before I did a deep dive and started looking into it, I really didn't know. So coronavirus isn't actually the name of this virus. Coronavirus is a type of virus that if you were to look at it under microscope, sort of has this big round thing with these protrusions coming out sort of looking like a crown. So the real name of this infection is called COVID-19. Yes. But that's not quite so catchy. So they'll refer to it either as coronavirus or sometimes you'll hear it referred to as novel coronavirus, novel being like, hey, this is the new coronavirus that we're talking about. So coronaviruses tend to be respiratory infections. SARS and MERS are both coronaviruses, but then so is the flu. And so are most common colds are all also caused by coronaviruses. So this one in particular, uh, you know, the symptoms, it's a fairly short list. It just includes a fever and a cough and a shortness of breath. But it's a uh, highly infectious disease and is spread very easily through person-to-person contact or through, you know, little molecules that are getting coughed up out of the lungs. You touch one of these particles, you put it, you, you touch your hand to a table, you leave, somebody else comes in, touches their hand to that same table, touches their eye or their nose or their mouth, and all of a sudden they've got it now, too. Yeah. Like a Like a virus. Well, exactly right. Yeah, well, but you know, there's different ways that viruses can spread. Yes, You know, sometimes, you know, there are other coronaviruses like MERS, which has a much, much higher fatality rate, but is not spread through contact in that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's much, even though the mortality rate is much higher, it's a little bit less of a worry because it's not going to infect as many people. It doesn't spread as easily. Really, the most deadly illnesses that we have are bird flus, which... H5N1 was a strand of that from 1997 that had a 60% kill rate, but it didn't travel as much. And so that's those are really the two different types of danger, which are the ones that travel a lot versus the ones that kill a high percentage. As you said, David, it moves a lot. Now, I, I think you, know, you you mentioned that you know avian flus come from birds. It's very I, I found it really interesting how uh, how many of these viruses, how many especially flu-like coronaviruses, mm-hmm. uh, are spread through contacts with animals. It's the kind of thing where a human can get one of these animals sick. It infects the animal popu- population, and then it returns to humans in a new and mutated form. And they think that's basically what happens here. They believe that it's it looks like an infection, a virus that affects big populations of bats, actually. Yeah. And so they think that that's, uh, you know, the first 
contact with the first time a human was infected in the Wuhan province of China was in December of 2019. Yeah. And so even just over the last few months, can I give you guys just a brief timeline just to sort of catch us up to date? Yeah, please do. That'd be great. Yeah. So first contact, first people getting sick in early December of 2019, small populations in the in the rural areas of Wuhan are starting to get sick. Uh, you may have heard about this doctor by the name of Li Wenliang, who is an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor, who just kind of by happenstance hadn't happened to notice a bunch of cases. Really? All looking very similar. Yeah. And he texted a bunch of his doctor friends and started posting a few things in Chinese social media. And the government actually kind of intervened and said, hey, causing panic. You got to, you know, they are, we're going to force you to stop talking about this. Yeah. And that guy's dead now, right? Well, that's exactly right. OK, so they weren't able to. Con- so he started posting about this in like December 30th or so, just before the new year. Uh, the Chinese government tries to crack down, tries to contain the thing on their own. But ultimately, they're not able to do that. They have to go public with the information. Wuhan, uh, the whole the whole province is uh, quarantined and sealed off on December 26th. The World Health Organization declares a public emergency of international concern on January 30th. And Dr. Wen Liang passes away from coronavirus on February 7th. Yeah. Kind of bring us up now to modern day. A lot of countries, uh, you know, there's been a fair amount of international travel. People have been trying to kind of lock it down. But there are infections being noted all throughout Southern Asia and Europe, some in Africa. And as of this morning, 19 cases throughout the United States. Yep. One of the th- questions that I had, and I wasn't able to figure this out myself. Uh, so I'm wondering if you were able to, f- if you had any information about this. Um, so outside of China, one of the countries that's been hit the hardest was Italy. Correct. Mm-hmm. Did you get any sense of why Italy specifically? So I, I'll, I'll speak to that. And that's actually very interesting. We don't know why Italy specifically. Italy was one of the first countries well before they had a documented case who cut off nearly all of their travel to China and and really tried to lock down any contact with, with China before, really, before anyone else. So it is actually very surprising that Italy had any cases. We don't know where the Italian virus came from. That's And that's actually one of the things that is troubling Italy the most is that they have not been able to find a patient zero, really very much in the dark about where where it's coming from and, and who has it. And David, uh, is there anything else you want to add? Because because I, this could get me into a, a longer topic. Oh, yeah. Then I think let's uh, it's time to kind of jump into that. The only thing that I'll add is just that, uh, again, this virus is fairly contagious and spreads pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So it you know could be as simple as something showing up in a package or someone who happened to sit in the same seat as somebody. It's a very difficult – it's a difficult thing to track. Yeah. And so that's what I was going to get into a bit of. First of all, I, I think that it's very important to say – I'm going to talk a bit about international reactions – to the this virus, um, I think it is extraordinarily important to say that there are a lot of overreactions and a lot of underreactions, and both are uh, pretty dangerous. And I, I, although, as David said, it is very transmissible, the number one way to avoid transmission that the CDC, the World Health Organization, 
recommend is washing your hands. And, and really, I think it's very important in any conversation with this, avoiding travel, avoiding people does not actually, in the long term, it's not likely to stop this spread. You definitely don't want to spend time with people who are sick, but more important than anything else, wash your hands with soap, wash them thoroughly for at least 20 seconds. The CDC recommends singing happy birthday twice when you're washing your hands. I don't think you need to do that. Just wash your hands for a good amount of time. I want to make it very clear. They they recommend singing happy birthday to gauge the timing, not to add anything. <laughs> Correct. To, that's a very there good are, point. There are no appreciable benefits to... Well, it might make you happy. It could be happy birthday being sung at your washed hands. <laughs> yes, that is a very good point. It, it is for timing because happy birthday apparently takes 10 seconds to sing. I guess um, that sounds very annoying, but not not if you si- not if you sing it as a funeral bird. <laughs> Maybe before before we uh, actually, I think, jump further into the yep. international reaction, I think it would be good just to very again, kind of briefly go over how dangerous, you know, uh, how dangerous yes. this disease is and how much we really need to be worried about it. Yeah. And it's it's a cause for the concern. Yeah. But that being said, as much as it is a very communicable disease. It's an easy disease to get. 80% of cases are mild. Yes. Yeah. And then 20% sort of range and various degrees of severe. And then of that whole percentage of people who are, who are infected, uh, it has a, uh, the mortality rate is between two and 5%. So at, which actually that I, I wanted to talk about mortality rate because that uh, is not necessarily accurate. Well, right. And that's actually a good thing to point out, too, because, again, a lot of the what the only thing that we have to go on for this is a study that was conducted on the first 45,000 patients or so. Uh, and the ma- vast majority of the people who have passed away from this illness, as we've seen, are elderly Chinese men. And this is because obviously it happened in China, mm-hmm. but also because, as I've read in my research and as was mentioned on uh, the really incredible daily podcast from the New York Times, a vast majority of men in China smoke. Yep. And if you have a respiratory disease and you've already kind of shot your lungs from smoking, then your chances of, of you know, taking on serious harm from respiratory illness vastly increase. Mm-hmm. And then again, even so, the vast majority of fatalities from this disease occur in people who are 30 to 90 years old. There are very, very, very few cases of children, especially children, getting this disease. Yeah. It's really much more of a concern for the elderly, specifically. It is. And so I I do want to talk a little bit about mortality rate. There have been reports as low as 0.7% mortality rate. There have been reports as high as, I haven't seen any that said five, but around four I've seen. One thing that nearly all of these say is, because there is such a large portion of mild cases, it's very likely that a lot of cases are not reporting as well. What I also think is important to say is this disease is nearly guaranteed to not be the most deadly illness of 2020. Every single year, over 12,000 to 60,000 people die of influenza in the United States alone. It's over, it's hundreds of thousands a year. By the way, Lowell, I can't wait for the diseases this year. The award the show where they hand out <laughs> the most deadly uh, disease of the year award. 
I mean, that every year, pretty much every year, that's going to be influenza. It's the Golden State Warriors of diseases. <laughs> influenza has a point point one to point five percent mortality rate, but like this, and even more so than this, it transmits very quickly. Kind of like the speed with which the Golden State Warriors took over the NBA. <laughs> Although the United States needs to be prepared, and I'll talk a little bit about that, we are less likely to have large fatalities than places. Many parts of Africa and uh, many parts of South America are at much bigger risk. And even China, lots of areas of rural China are at much bigger risk. There are cases in a number of countries, but the, the countries that have the most are China, South Korea, Italy, and listed separately from all these others is the Diamond Princess Cruise. The uh, sovereign so, nation of the Diamond Princess Cruise. <laughs> the Diamond Princess Cruise ship alone has nearly as many cases as Italy at 705 versus Italy's 888. And the and as I recall reading when I'm in my reading about the Diamond Cruise ship, all those started from three or four people on board coming on with the infection. Yes. And uh, well, actually, my research said that there was someone who had been on the ship and had already oh, left the ship hmm. by the time they had uh, quarantined, but they had spread it to enough surfaces that people got it. The thing about the Diamond Princess cruise is it, a lot of people have talked about an extreme mismanagement of that, these cases. And the thing that people are talking about as mismanagement was the fact that they quarantined them in place on the ship rather than bringing them to mainland Japan. Simple logic would say, oh, we don't want to bring them to mainland Japan because we don't want to spread it across Japan. But cruise ships are petri dishes. The air is all recycled through the entire place. So if someone gets an illness, a lot of people are going to get the illness. So that's the big problem with, with how they handled that. The second big problem, which we're going to see a repeat of in the United States, is that health workers who were there to support did not have proper training and were intermingling with the not only the general public of the ship, but then the general public of mainland Japan. We then saw that when we had our first cases in the United States. So in the United States, we actually ended up removing people from Diamond Princess Cruise and bringing them to secure facility, air quotes, secure facilities in the United States, which sadly were not secure enough. Mm. We had health workers who also did not have proper training and were intermingling with these people and then intermingling in society, and we now have at least three. As of last night, when I was looking, we had three confirmed cases in the northwest of America Washington State, Oregon State, and uh, California. Oregon State, you say? <laughs> I, I realized. I realized I said it. I, I was going to say California State, but then I realized how dumb it was that I said Oregon State. Anyway, we have those cases, and those cases are nearly all believed to be community spread mm. of coronavirus. One of the biggest reasons why it's difficult for us to contain coronavirus is because it can take two days to two weeks for someone to manifest any symptoms, and those symptoms can be extraordinarily mild. So what happens is people don't know they're sick, 
They walk around thinking they're fine and then they spread it to other people who then get sick and a lot of people with worse immune systems get sicker. We have people who have decided that this is worse than it is and we have other people who've decided that it is not as bad as it is. And so both of those, as I said earlier, are dangerous. The dangerous thing about deciding that it is worse than it is, is that people start panicking. And that is one of the worst things that can happen. Is that why my stock portfolio took such a hit this week? Mm. Yes, it is. So we had the single worst week in the stock market since the 2008 financial crisis. We had the single largest fall in the Dow Jones in, in history for a single day. This is extraordinarily reactionary. However, I think on the other hand, the Republican Party has been trying to diminish this, trying to say that we have it under control. And I'd say that is equally, if not more dangerous because of the fact that if we as a nation say, oh, it's not nothing to be concerned about, people do not take the preparation that they need to. I would also say like the Republican reaction to this has become even more pernicious over the past like day or so. Yes, it has. Mm -hmm. With, yeah, Donald Trump Jr., the conspiracy that he has come up with, basically, and Mick Mulvaney, Trump's chief of staff, who is... Yes. Who Mm -hmm. yesterday called it a hoax. Mm -hmm. He and Donald Trump have now called it a a hoax created by the Democratic Party to politicize it so that they can uh, take down Donald Trump. Now, on the other hand, uh, there's no way that we can be unbiased about this. Uh, There's no way we can be unbiased about anything. But I I mean, I'm 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 personally anti coronavirus. I will I will put that out (laughs) on the table. Coming out strong in that way. Yeah. Yes. If I could eliminate (laughs) it from the earth, I would. But I will say that this is this could be the biggest danger for Trump's presidency. I'm I am going to be completely honest about that. I do think that mishandling a large crisis would be a an extraordinarily big danger for re-election for any president. Well, yeah, let let, let me throw this out there for you as well. So, again, I'm going to make reference Mm -hmm. to the episode of The Daily, which uh, uh, came out a few days ago, where Michael Barbaro, the host of The Daily, interviews a guy by the name of Donald McNeil, who is the uh, one of the health and science writers for The New York Times. And one of the big thrusts of this interview is trying to figure out, well, how do we, to what do we compare this virus to? He argues that the best comparison for this virus is to the Spanish flu of 1918. And one of the big things that uh, he mentions, too, is that he feels the Spanish flu of 1819 is uh, of 1918 is a bit of a misnomer since it truly should be referred to as the Spanish flu of uh, 1918 to 1919. <laughs> what happens? No, but no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. With the Spanish flu, there was a serious outbreak in the spring, the early spring when it really kind of first hit the table. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of went away in the warmer months since viruses dislike warm weather really? and then came back with a vengeance. Yeah. In the fall and the winter. And that's kind of the way that a lot of these uh, these pandemics kind of work is there's this initial outbreak, this lull over the warmer months, yep. and then it kind of comes back in force. And a big thing that he they also stress in the podcast is if, you know, some worst case scenarios start playing out, we should start preparing mentally for what that might be like to have to 
you know, stay at home and not go to work or school for a few weeks or to have to be all cooped up. Yeah. Uh, during a bad outbreak of this that might be happening, say, next fall or winter. So this is the first topic that I actually mm-hmm. watched a documentary to prepare. Netflix actually, just a couple months ago, released a documentary series called Pandemic, which I highly recommend. It is a very fascinating perspective on how p- pandemics come about. And one of the things that I knew they were going to say in the in the intro, and they did say in the intro, is it is not a matter of if, but when the next global pandemic happens, and it's going to happen soon. Uh, and so they were right, um, and it did. In the show, they talk about the, the Spanish flu of 1918. So uh, a lot of that was spread because of soldiers coming back from World War I. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, though, the Spanish flu killed more people than World War I and World War II combined, with over 50 million to 100 million people dying mm. from Spanish flu within two years. Uh, the reason I don't think that it's it's a very good comparison to this is because a we have better medicine, far better medicine than we did then, and b uh, this the fatality rate is not quite as high. So I'm hopeful that we don't see quite as as much of a an effect as the Spanish flu in 1918. But I I think that the other thing I want to talk about is is in fact exactly that. People talking about this as if it is the Spanish Spanish flu of 1918. Bill Gates recently said that he believes that this is a once-in-a-century disease that is that needs to be treated as, as a once-in-a-century disease, and it's going to be the this could be catastrophic. I don't I similarly to how Trump and Mick Mulvaney and others have been saying that this is is not a big deal for their own political gain. I, I believe that Bill Gates is saying that this is a, an extraordinary deal because he has been talking about pandemics for a very long time and he knows that this is sadly the time to to be making a big deal about them. this this is a dangerous disease because of the rate of motion. And the reason why it is moving so fast is A, because it's a respiratory disease. B, it is because it started in Wuhan. I had never heard of Wuhan before, but it is a major hub of travel in China. So the fact that it started in a major hub of travel is why why it has spread Mm -hmm. so quickly and so far. It is not as fatal First off, if you think that you have a, a flu at the moment, flu-like symptoms, you should definitely be going to see the doctor, but you should also make sure that you are not with anyone who has any reason to be concerned about uh, immunocompromisation if, mm-hmm. if you are sick. Uh, that's really the takeaway from coronavirus. It, it's not the most dangerous virus. This is not Ebola. This is not the original SARS virus. This is not MERS. Uh, this isn't a swine flu or a bird flu. It is, for all intents and purposes, just like the flu. But as I said earlier, the flu kills hundreds of thousands of people a year. The people who die from it are the ones who do not get treated fast enough and the ones who 
are going to be susceptible to disease. And so that's why we need to be careful. I think that's all that I have to say on it at the moment. But I, I, there, there were things that I definitely wanted to make sure that- We got to. We got to because there is so much misinformation. I was interested in kind of what what sort of the future is. And I just want to, I kind of want to echo a lot of what you said about the sort of looking at this with a realistic eye, because before I looked at this, I had been following it through some articles and headlines and just kind of developed in my head the idea that there is a real possibility that we are all doomed as a species, which is yes. not really realistic. Um, there's also been a lot of talk that like this is the virus that um, led to The Walking Dead, which probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> um, but I found a Bloomberg article that gives four scenarios for the coronavirus outbreak. Mm -hmm. um, and it has it in the table there. And it's a it's a really good kind of way of visualizing what the future of this could be. And um, like you said, Lowell, the idea of the virus being contained is pretty much out. Yeah, Th that would mean that the virus has kind of stayed in China and there, there's not a global spread of it. And the, they include a section for how we'll know. And the way that we'll know is Singapore, lo looking mm -hmm. at sort of how the, the virus develops in Singapore because of the travel between China and mm -hmm. uh, Singapore. I think that's that scenario is pretty much out because we're seeing it in many countries beyond China. Sure. There is significant amount of belief that there is underreported cases in a lot of Asia. So it's hard to say where, where we are at that. And then so where we kind of are right now, I think, is the outbreak is already global is the way that they put it. So mild cases occurring outside of China and are spreading. Worldwide testing reveals that it's in most international cities. So I don't think we're, we're, we're not quite at the virus is in most international cities because I don't think we have a confirmed case in New York yet. No. But I think that that's really where we are. We can't. S I believe. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, we can't. And there there are cities beyond New York. I am aware. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, th I think we're closer to the outbreak being global than it being contained in China. Um, and then the other two scenarios, and these are kind of the more the more serious issues that we could be looking at. Um, and one of them is a pandemic develops later, which I think is, David, what you were referring mm -hmm. to, that it could come back next fall and winter. And that's something that like the, there, right. there have been predictions that the virus could slow with warmer weather, which is how a lot of viruses tend to work. But yeah. that wouldn't mean that it that, that wouldn't end the virus. It would just mean that it could recur later. And then yeah. I think from mm -hmm. my reading of this, the fourth scenario that they pro uh, propose is kind of the most serious. And that's that the virus becomes a seasonal illness. Yeah. So it becomes a regular part of cold and flu season. It kind of travels throughout the world every year before it subsides with warmer weather. Mm -hmm. And the way that we'd mm -hmm. be able to see that is when spring uh, rolls around, um, cases plummet, but the following year, once it becomes fall and winter again, cases uh, resume. Mm -hmm. And that's right. that's sort of, that's the big thing we, we really want to prevent. We will develop a vaccine eventually. I, I'm, I'm certain of that. There will be a vaccine for this. I'm not, sh I do not think that 
Donald Trump's timeline is realistic. I think that it is by next season, we probably will have a vaccine. Um, what is what is, what is Trump's timeline? Because I, I, I've heard a year and I'm told that that's what we should expect. Minimum. Yeah. The absolute fastest timeline that I've heard is six months. Donald Trump said we're almost there. Um, we're not almost there. No, I don't think so. For I believe it was for a flu in 2016. There was a six month, mm. six month time period, which was fantastic. It was phenomenal. That is not likely to be the case. The HHS has allowed trial on a couple of vaccines, and so they're mm-hmm. they're touting that as oh a, a, an amazing turnaround of three months getting the initial sample of the disease to a a right trial run but trial run is in no way a promise of actually being able to produce it and that it actually works um and also mm-hmm. what the director of the HHS said was uh that he can't promise that it will be affordable for anyone right. so we'll have to see where we for- go it's not affordable for anyone. <laughs> he said he can't promise Jeff that it Bezos will be. is Jeff <laughs> Bezos is shit out of luck. It's a deep concern. Uh, I, maybe I should have said for everyone, but yes, he can't promise that it will be readily available or affordable. I think the trillion dollar vaccines would be a really good name for a rock band. <laughs> We've talked a lot about this, and I'm not even sure how I'm going to cut it at this point. I think you can cut that. Uh, I think that the last thing that both Aiden and I saw, I don't know if you you had any any detail on Corona beer beyond just the uh, the logo. Oh, yeah, I saw something that said that sales were down. In, I don't believe in fact, it. Corona beer. There is came almost out. nothing I believe more than that. Corona beer came out with a statement and and evidence that says that they're that they are actually selling five percent higher than they did in really? uh, in in November. Over the past three months, they've had a five yeah. percent boost. So I absolutely <laughs> buy it. Everyone's talking about yep. Corona. It's so um, true. So that is that is what's going on at, at the moment with the coronavirus. I, I I personally, if I had to make a pr- prediction, I think that I don't know if we will know it, but I think that at least one of us by this time next year will have had coronavirus. Do you want to? One, one of, of the us? three of us. Why one of I, us? I don't want to place bets, but I think that it is it is sadly going to be that ubiquitous at like the flu. I, I don't know. I think that it, if not one of the three of us, someone we know will probably have it by this time next year. Well, speaking to that, why don't uh, as perhaps a predictor of which <laughs> of us might catch it? Why don't you guys? Why don't you guys click on the link right. that I provided? As I saw it, it's sort of a, a a way to sort of more softly transition us out of this yes. fairly dark subject. <laughs> CDC guide on how to wear face masks with beards and mustaches resurfaces amid coronavirus a- outbreak. So obviously, this is a very visual joke for this yes, audio medium. 
But what you're seeing here is about uh, 20 male faces against a pale purple background with various different types of uh, combinations of mustache and beard. And I thought we might briefly go over what's going to work and what's going to not. And also maybe touch on the fact that they chose to call it the toothbrush mustache and instead oh of the hip. Well, yeah, I, I believe I that's that the yet. technical term. Jesus. <laughs> and, they, and they have a, a check mark under it. <laughs> so so this is showing what what beards will and will not fist fit in your face mask. Well, I uh, <laughs> uh, I I'm currently rocking the the short the 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 long stubble look myself, and that uh, gets a big old red X from the CDC. And me with the full beard gets a big old red red X. But Aiden, with your clean shaven clean, face, clean, you have you have that beautiful clean shaven green Aiden. Ch- yeah, but the lampshade the lampshade's good, or the Zorro. Can you describe these? Can you describe these uh, 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 these mustaches to us? Um, so the lampshade is, you know, like it, it's a. Uh, I don't know how to do the lampshade. The Zorro is that little thin, thin mustache. It's a bit thicker than the pencil. Mm. I can do the. I can do the lampshade. The lampshade looks like a lampshade. Uh, how about this? Yeah. Actually, wait. I, I have. My, a, I have a. Wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a quick. I, I. I have a game, and I think this will kind of help. I think clarify to our audience what will fit under a sh- under a face mask and what won't. And I propose the game being this. I will list a number of famous dictators <laughs> and you will tell me whether or not they have the appropriate facial hair to fit under a CDC approved face I, mask. I'm good with this. Yeah, this is this is this is a game. Okay. So as we've already discussed, we've got Hitler. Yes. How's Hitler going to do? Hitler's, Hitler's fine. doing okay. Hitler's- he's so he he's unbelievably yeah. alive. Cool. So all right, so now let's talk. Uh, uh, well, how about Joseph Stalin? Stalin works. Stalin works too. Big hairy mustache, gonna be okay. Yep. Uh, the walrus, I think, about, is what it's called. How about Fidel Castro? How is he gonna do? Is he gonna get through this? I feel like he's Cast- dead. Castro's well. I'm got so got Stalin some. and Hitler, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, no, he Cast- Castro is gonna get get some illnesses. Uh, Ho Chi Minh. Oh, I have no idea what Ho Chi Minh looked like. I believe he had a I long... I feel like he didn't have... Did he have it? I believe he did have a mustache. Let's see. Okay. Ho Chi Minh Look, images. images. Yes, he oh. has a mustache. Yes, a mustache and goatee. He, he's... And it's gonna... If he can't tuck that goatee in the in the mask, then he is gonna have a problem. And the length, also, of, the length of his mustache is famously as well. from Asia. No. Yeah, well, uh, then if we want to think about if we want to think about Mao Zedong, he's more wait, he's more susceptible to exposure, given that he's in Asia. We're just talking face masks. Mao, (laughs) clean shaven or only occasionally with a a, a tiny little patch uh, would be totally fine. Yeah. Um, But meanwhile, the villain mustache with the with the evil handlebars, it 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 does. It doesn't have a check next to it. It says all it says is careful not to cross the seal so i think that this is the that all of the famous dictators and villains in history have had this in mind did francesco franco have a mustache i feel like i think of him with a pencil mustache yes i'm seeing a thin pencil mustache not unlike the thin man yeah no he's fine he's he's golden he's gonna do great oh it was bushy when he was younger yep yeah, no, but he, he'll be fine. I think that this is something that dictators have in mind when they're becoming dictators. I think that they go to the dictator conference and they say, 
oh, remember, just in case, just in case of uh, an outbreak, you need to have, I mean, if you're going to deal in, in bioweaponry, you have to make sure that you have a perfect seal around your, your mask. Well, dear listeners, I hope this has been <laughs> clarifying for you <laughs> in some way. Yep. All right. So let's go to a break before we spend, you know, uh, the rest of our lives on this. Hello, and thank you for listening to episode two of season two of I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We uh, got a little serious on this one, and I think that in part it needed to happen. But don't worry, the last bit of this episode is a bunch of fart jokes just to ease the mood. Anyway, as always, we appreciate you listening to the show, but we would love it if you would also subscribe and rate and review on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. And additionally, you can follow us on Twitter at NewsOboy or email us at newsoboy at gmail.com and please with twitter or email send us weird news articles and we might use them in the show we will announce your name in this segment here so thank you so much again for listening enjoy the rest of the show all right so now let's get into some weird news so aiden would you like to uh introduce Oh, geez. Which one do I want to end up doing? Mm. Do you want to do a weird one this episode? Because the one we did last week wasn't. Was it not? A plane went a little quicker than <laughs> other planes. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do the, the, the yellow one. Oh, interesting. Mysterious smell has been plaguing whole county for months and no one knows where it's coming from. Yeah, so... Uh, this I'm excited is, to okay. dig in. This is... Uh, this is actually coming from... Oh, this is my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. It is? My hometown. Oh, yes. Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Is that <laughs> is that the county that you're, you're from? No. My hometown's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're gonna... <laughs> um, so they've been, been reporting a foul sulfur-like smell in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Uh, it comes and goes seemingly at random. And no one has been able to figure out where it's coming from. Um, I'm doing some furious Googling based on the, some little bits I know of parts of Pennsylvania. Mm. Okay. Um, Keep talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm listening and Googling furiously. Uh, authorities have been uh, having problems with the investigation primarily due to how fast the mysterious smell comes and goes. Which... It's it's as if it's like a, a smelly ghost. Could be a smelly ghost. I think it's a smelly ghost. I think. Well, the, uh, there's a quote here from the fire chief that says, "When we get on the scene, it only lasts a short time. By the time our monitors get get it out, by the time we get our monitors out, it usually dissipates in ten to fifteen minutes." Hey 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 guys yeah. guys guys guys. Uh huh. Asper the smelly ghost. <laughs> <laughs> don't like it. Nope. I really don't, don't like that whatsoever. So there are theories that it could be a, an oil or gas pipeline or something, but like the story is somewhat. There's also uh, apparently a mysterious sound in the city of 
Windsor in Canada, uh, which has has a slight hum that eventually comes about. Which do you think is more annoying? A smell, a really bad smell that just comes and goes or a or a sound that just appears and disappears. Well, I, I sort of go feel like I'd say smell. I think so too. I feel like smell is easier to dissipate. You have fans, you have things you can cover it up. It's vi- as uh as people who live in New York City, I feel we all know that uh uh sounds are much harder to dissipate. That that is true. So if it if it comes and goes, I, it's not not a big deal, but you know, smell that that's just frustrating. I do feel like Windsor smell has a much nicer ring to it than Delaware County. No, no, the the Windsor no Windsor hum has a better uh, ring to it than Delaware County smell. Yeah, they they haven't come. Are either of you f- familiar with the concept of the aroma of Tacoma? No, no. I like. So I, this I is like good. Where we're going good. with it. This is going to blow up a um, article, a, a weird Wikipedia page that I had on my list, but the aroma of Tacoma is a putrid and unpleasant odor associated with Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> is it a constant <laughs> odor? Supposedly, it's, yes. It's persistent. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's interesting to me that this is just mysterious. I, I did see... Someone speculate that it's just, you know, uh, a demon appearing and farting um, because apparently it smells a lot like a, a fart. Asper the oh. smelly ghost. <laughs> Asper the smelly ghost. I will ghost. say before we end, I would like so we can talk about this for a few more minutes, but I, I, I would li- I know how I would like to at least end this segment, which would be that you all go onto the Wikipedia page for Aroma of Tacoma and we all do the uh George Francis Tane penned civic cheer that appears there on the middle of the <laughs> page. <laughs> there's a song. Uh there's a cheer. It's a cheer. I wouldn't call it a song. Okay, we'll 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 finish up with that. Um mm. but I, I did want to see if we could find a better name for the uh for this mysterious smell. Asper the Asper the smelly ghost. I How really are we do, still talking no, about I think this? I, I think that's fine. I agree. I I really do feel like I think you kind of hit it right there on the head. Well, I think that that's that's the cause. But if we're gonna like aroma of Tacoma, like that that's so good, or or the Windsor Windsor hum. How about okay? No, I've got it. Smell Aware County, County, Pennsylvania. Yes, I got there. Yes, Done. you got it. Smell Aware County, Pennsylvania. We solved it. Wait, what? <laughs> Lol. What is the town in Pennsylvania that this is centered on? Uh, Brookhaven? Which town do you see? That's not the one that I see. Oh? I see Aston. Oh, Aston. My goodness. Really? There we go. Oh my god, it is Aston. Astown, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Astown. Where it smells like fart. Every once in a while. For a brief period of time. I'm I'm still proud of Aston. Asper the smelly ghost. Can we uh, can, can we participate in this uh, in, in 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 this in this, uh, in, this uh, in this cheer for Tacoma now? Yes, let's definitely let's okay. let's finish up with this cheer. It's See, that uh, I'm, I'm seeing no. it. Don't read. Yeah, it's right there in the middle of the page. You can't at all. Wait, Ready? wait, wait. Now we, oh, are we all together? Yes. Don't read yep. ahead. 
Seattle. 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 Death rattle. Death rattle. Tacoma. Tacoma. Aroma. Delete all of this. I will sink that in post. Don't worry. That blue. Don't think you can. I will sink it in post. I think that I think that we definitely solved their problem. It's now Ashtown. It's just Ashtown, Pennsylvania, and it smells like farts. I think that that's the way it was supposed to be. In Smellaware County. In Smellaware County. So uh, with that, we we had a we had a heavy episode. Uh, I, I think that it was an important one, and I think that it was honestly one of the hardest topics we've covered. But uh, I think that we're we're ready to, to wrap it up. Yeah. And so, do, Can, uh, shall we uh, click that that final headline? Who who wants to read it? That's for right. Me? Oh, I'll do it. All right, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. People are panic buying toilet paper in Japan because of coronavirus. <laughs> I just like the words "panic buying toilet paper." <laughs> panic buying. Well, I was ready to I was ready to laugh, <laughs> but it, instead it I'll weep. No, oh, damn. Oh, well. Guess I lost this one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've been Lowell. I've been David. I'm Aiden. And, uh, yeah, have, have a good one. That's the nightly news for this Wednesday night. Tom Brokaw. As many inches as you have oceans, puppies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a throwback. Yep. That is.